look at a phrase in the Bible that we're going to talk about and uh, there's some things we need to learn from this that can really help our homes to be... You know, most of the problems in homes, especially that children have and really across the board, are really... I mean, a lot of times we set them up for failure. And on Wednesdays, we had talked about some of the kings and how some of them had fathers who set totally set them up for success. And sometimes they succeeded, sometimes they failed. Solomon, he was set up for success and he did succeed in a lot of ways and then later he messed it up for himself. Some... They were set up. They were set up for failure, and uh, it was very difficult for them. And we don't. We don't want to do that with our families. We don't want to set them up for failure. We want to help them out as much as possible as parents. But in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-four, we can apply this to the home. We can apply this to our church and your personal life. Whatever it is, uh, this applies really to anything. But it says in verse twenty-four of chapter four, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, notice that phrase, put on. Okay, Today, y'all put on an outfit that you're wearing. It didn't just happen. It, it was put on. You know, we were talking to Allie, and uh, she was asking kind of about what babies wear when they're born. It's like when they're born, they're not wearing anything. And uh, they come into this world, nothing you have to put clothes on them. And when you get saved, you don't just automatically become super Christian. You have to put on righteousness. You've got to put on holiness. It's an act. It's an effort that you have to make. And then it says, and then there's also some things that you have to take off. In verse 25, wherefore putting away lying. Speak every man truth of his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And this is the phrase I want us to look at. Neither give place to the devil. And we'll go on and read some of the verses after that in a little bit. But that giving place to the devil. What does that mean to give him place? Well, really, I guess you could say it's like to, to give him a position. Or to give him... A spot or a place of authority. It would be like if we were to give somebody a place here in this church, if we were to go and hire somebody as the assistant pastor, and we gave him a place in the church, and we put him, say, you know what, you are in charge of the music ministry here, or you're going to work with the, the children in the church, or you're going to work with the youth. We're giving them a place, we're giving them a spot where they can serve and where they can be an influence. And God said, don't give place. To the devil. Now, who's going to willingly and say, "Sure, the devil he can have this place. I'll let the you know devil he's be in charge of this group in the church, or he'll be in charge." You know, there's, there's no church that would say, "You know, what? we're going to give the devil charge of the music in our church." Nobody would say that, but people do it all the time. They give him access. They give him place. They give him the rights. To it, and we don't. We are not supposed to do that. And it says, uh, and so how? What are some of these ways? Well, it tells us right here in Ephesians the ways that we give place to the devil. And notice in verse twenty-five it says, "Wherefore putting away lying." When you lie, you are given given place to the devil. You are giving him a spot in your life. You are giving him access into a part of your life that's... And once you give the devil something, he doesn't give it back too willingly. He makes it difficult. But lying, it has no place 
in the life of a Christian. In John eight forty four, it says that Satan, it, or it says you know Christ is truth, and Satan is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Lies come from the devil. I try to tell people all the time these lies that you think you're so clever with that you come up with, and you just think, "Boy, I'm really smart. I'm really quick at thinking." You're not that smart. Okay, you got them from the devil. And you don't want to give them. You don't want to give them that place. And we've got to learn to put that away from us because when we do it, we're giving them access. And you think, okay, so what does that mean? How is, how does lying give devil place? And specifically, we'll say in your home. Okay, so in your home, you know, you got Brother Menez. He he's never got to willingly say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna invite the devil in. He would never say that. Nobody does that out loud. However, through lying, one way you could do it, for example, maybe he is at home and he somebody you know, maybe somebody calls his house and he lies to him. Or maybe he's supposed to be going to work and he calls his boss and says, yeah, I can't make it today. I'm sick. But all of his family sees that he's wanting to go fishing that day. Okay? Now, how that lie he told, basically what he's just done now, is he's told his family that, you know what? It's okay to lie to your boss. That's, that's what they've done. He's, it's okay to lie to your boss. It's not a big deal. It's not hurting anybody. And when he does that, basically, without saying it, you've cre- created this rule in your house that it's okay to lie on certain occasions to certain people. You didn't say that. You didn't go and you didn't write it on a on a chalkboard in your house, you know, rules of the house, it's okay to lie to certain people. Nobody does that, but in the minds of your children, in the minds of your family, they're like, it's okay to do this. And now lying is going to become a part of their life. And the devil can you he uses lying to get people in trouble all the time. I mean that's access that he wants. And so you have now a lot of you've now okayed it. You know, we talked this morning about Christ being the preeminent one, and preeminent means you know number one in rank or influence. And there's people out there, and especially when it comes to their fathers, that sometimes he's the one that keeps them from doing something. You know, my dad would never do this, and just the fact that if if their dad was to go and do a certain thing, it like it gives them the okay to do it. There's people like that maybe with their pastor, with a friend, that things that they wouldn't normally do, they see that person that they really respect commit that sin and now they don't feel so bad doing it anymore. I've seen horrible, really, I mean, I think very wicked financial decisions that people have made. Parents, and then the kids all go and do the exact same thing. Families all do the exact same thing. It's like, what made them think that that was okay? Well, it happened in their home. We can give place to the devil here in the church. If I decide, you know, you all, you all know me here. Okay, you've been coming from the beginning, and maybe we have a bunch of visitors come on Sunday, and I, boy, we don't want them to get. We want them to get saved. Okay, that's our desire. We want to see them get saved, and so I'm preaching away, and I tell them like, you know, last person we had in this church that didn't. Listen to the Lord and get saved when the Holy Spirit spoke to them. They fell over dead right there in the middle of service. And boy, that might scare some people. They might think, well, I don't want to fall over dead. And so they get up and they go and they 
they do exactly what I said, and they come, and maybe they get saved, and we get the results that we want. We see something good happen, and I go and make a big deal about what the Lord has done. And you know what I've basically told all of you? It's okay to lie to get results. Now, hopefully, and I don't think you all would fall for that, but that's kind of an extreme example. But you see where sometimes just the pastor proving of something. If I'm up here as a pastor and I'm talking about, you know, the rock music groups that I listen to, there's a lot of people in churches that would say, well, you know what, it's, I, get, I guess it's okay to listen to that group. If I'm talking about some wicked TV shows that I'm watching from the pulpit, that gives people, it's like it gives them license to go do those same things. The things that the kids see the father doing in the home. That gives them, in their minds and their hearts, license to go do that same thing. And you can try the whole, you know, stand there smoking a cigarette and telling them kids don't ever smoke and hope that works, but it's probably not going to. When you do those things, it gives them, in their minds, permission. And when you lie, it gives place to the devil. Because the devil, can get, he's going to use whatever he can to get you in trouble. And when he sees that you've allowed lying to be a part of your everyday life, that opens up all kinds of opportunities for him to destroy your life. So if you lie at home, you know what? I'll get you to keep lying at work. You know, you lie to your boss, and you know what he'll eventually do? He'll get you caught. And he'll get you to lose your job because you're a liar. I've known people that lost their job not because of something that they necessarily did wrong, but it was because they lied about it. If they would have just reported what they had done, had they just been honest, they'd have been okay. But they lied. And somewhere in their life, the devil convinced them, you know what, it's okay to do this sometimes. And then the devil later double-crossed them and took everything away from them because of a lie. We have to, And lying is something that we have to put away because it is easier to lie than it is to tell the truth. It really is. And if Satan can get us to lie, it can destroy our witness for Christ because who's going to listen to a liar? And so now that's something Satan can use against us. Maybe that co-worker who knows that you lied to your boss, who saw you out fishing when you said that you were working, that co-worker now, if you go and you witness to him, I don't have to listen to that guy. He's a liar. And Satan can take away your ability to be a witness to him because you've given him that place in your life. Your word can't be trusted anymore. And I'm telling you, if you can't be trusted, I mean, when you lose your trust, when you lose your testimony, that is a horrible thing. It's going to be very difficult for you to do right and be a witness. But another thing, area we can give place to the devil, and this is the big one here, verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger is a huge thing that will give Satan opportunity. Most of the sins that we commit, or many of the sins, are when we're angry. The wrath of man, the Bible says, worketh not the righteousness of God. When you're angry, whatever feels right to you is probably not right. And if you don't learn to control that, if you don't learn to call him down, it says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Okay? God knows you're going to get mad sometimes. But, we, but it says, be angry and sin not. Do not act on that anger. 
And do not let that anger stay in your life. Get over it. Don't let the sun go down upon it. And then right after that's what it says, neither give place to the devil. When you have anger in your life, he's got opportunities like he's never had before. Letting anger control you, it's very dangerous. There's, there's so many ways Satan can anger you. Okay? I mean, you just think back about the sins that you've committed while you're angry. And if the anger is what gets you in trouble, Satan, he knows how to push your buttons. He knows what they are. And he will use them. And it is, it is a huge tool to destroy a Christian's testimony. And we've got to learn, I'm not giving him that place. He's not getting into that part of my life. I'm going to control this. I'm, or I'm at least, I'm, I am not going to act on it. And you know, at work, some, you know, I kind of have a, a policy at work. If I want to complain about something, try not to, I, you know, I try to be very limited in complaining. I always say, I'm not going to do it until the end of the day. And here's the reason why for that. In the morning when I go in at 3.30, I'm always grumpy. You know, 3.30 morning, you're going to be grumpy. I'm in a bad mood at 3.30. And so if I talk to them about something at 3.30 in the morning, when I've got a whole day at work ahead of me, I might not have the right spirit about it. I might not say the right things. But when I'm leaving, I'm in a great mood. Especially on Friday. I'm in a really good mood. And there's been many days when I've been like, man, I'm... I'm letting them have it today. And the, but I always wait until the end of the day. But by the time it's time to go home, uh, not worth it. I'm just, I'm just going to go home. Because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my testimony. I don't want to get myself in trouble. I don't want to give place to the devil there. So when I get angry and I do sometimes, I, I'm not going to act on it. Because the devil can't have that part of my life. And once again, in the home, my kids are seeing that. Kids naturally, we've talked about this, you know, it doesn't seem to make sense, but they usually react in the way their parents did. Kids whose hearts were broken and were devastated when they saw their fathers beating their mothers, many of those kids grow up and do the same thing. Why? That's what they saw. That's all they know. When you get mad, your wife let, you know, tells you off, you haul off and hit her. That's all they know. And it was brought into the home. They, they gave place to the devil there. And it happens the same way with the kids too. And if they don't put it off on purpose, they'll end up doing the same thing. But another thing we see here in this passage in verse 28, it says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Boy, you know what I wish they'd take this verse and they would hang it up in the walls of Congress? And I, I wish they'd put this up all the place. You know, let him who stole steal no more. And notice how it says, listen to what it says. You know, but rather let him labor. Okay? Laboring is a good thing. Working with his hands, that th- the thing which is good. If you're working, doing something good. Okay? If you're drug dealing, Alright, that's not good work. Okay, if you're you know robbing a bank, that probably takes a lot of effort, work, not a good thing. But then it said, but here's why. So he can have to give that needeth. Okay, in our government, they say what we need to do is we need to go basically steal from those who are working 
to give to those who aren't working. In the Bible it says, those who are stealing, don't steal anymore. Have them work so they can give to those who need. We've got a whole group of people these days, they, they want to be the victim and they don't, they don't want to do the work. And that's absolutely wicked. But it says, let him who stole, steal no more. When you steal, that is, once again, giving place to the devil. That's an opportunity where he can use you, where he can bring you down, where he can destroy you to steal. It is to deny who you are as a Christian and it is to take the name of God in vain. Go to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. One of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And that is, I, I do not believe that just means blasphemy. But notice how it says, Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. When you steal... You are, and it says no, it says, lest I be poor and steal. Okay, this is somebody who needs something. And, and uh, I was talking to Brother Lonnie last night. You know, my wife likes to throw these scenarios at me sometimes. You know, what if you were in this situation? Would you do that? You know, what if you were starving to death? Or what if your kids were starving? Would you steal to feed your children? And, you know, and it's, it sounds like, well, of course I'd steal. If it was to save my children's life. But I, really, I, you know, like I said, these things are all so easy to give the right answer when you're not hungry, when you're not in that situation. But I, you know, I'm always whenever I answer all these questions she gives, I'm always real practical and cold-hearted and biblical. <laughs> and like I said, but when I, I remember she asked me that one, one time, and I'm like, no, I would not steal. You just let your kids starve. Biblically, the Bible says when we're poor and we're still, we're taking the name of God in vain. How is that taking God's name in vain? Okay, I've got a message I want to preach eventually on this. I don't believe I've done it here. But taking the name of God in vain. How do we take somebody's name? Well, my wife took my name when she got married. When she decided to marry me, she got rid of her old name, Cutler, and took, she put up, took my name. McMurtry. Okay, when she took my name, McMurtry, you know, she there were certain things that she where she started acting like a McMurtry. You know, there are things that change. When we get saved, we become a part of the family of God. We take on the name of Christ. We're a part of his family. And you don't do that in vain. I would have been very upset if my wife would have taken my name taken my wedding ring I gave her and then went and lived somewhere else with somebody else. Wait a minute. You're my wife. You don't do that. You, you're not, you're going to take care of me now. I'm your husband. You took my name. Now act like you're my wife. And there's people out there who say that they are Christians, say that they are children of God. They're, they've taken His name, but then those same people, when they have a need... And God is the one who's supposed to provide for us. What do they do? They steal. You know what they basically just said? Lord, I don't think you can take care of me. Lord, I don't think you can trust me. And for us as Christians, when God said, thou shalt not steal, for us to even think that we ever have to steal is to say, I don't think God's going to keep His promise. I don't think God can take care of me. And so, while I'm standing here today and I'm not hungry and my kids aren't starving... I would I I like to think 
that if my kids were about to starve to death and it seemed like my only hope was to steal to save their lives, I like, I like right now to say that I would. Because I believe God would take care of us. I don't believe God's going to let us starve to death. That violates too much Scripture. But when we steal, when you steal, you have just said, Satan, you can have that part of my life. You can have my integrity. You can have, you can have my honesty. You can, you can have that. And you basically told God, Lord, I'm not going to depend on you. And now we've, not only have we given something to the devil, we've taken away from ourselves the, the blessings of God in our life. And what a foolish thing that is to do, to steal, to deny who you are as a Christian. Stealing, it is easier than work. In the short term, I guess we'll say. It's easier than work. But the right thing, it's not always the easiest thing. And Satan would love to get us to trust in his ways rather than the provision of God. It does. So, you know, I don't see myself making $100,000 in a year. Ever. But you know what? One bank job, I might be able to. Robbing the bank. <laughs> Just one. Just one, I probably could. That seems a whole lot easier. I'd have to do, for you know me, I'd probably have to do quite a bit of labor to make that much money in one year. Quite a bit. And you know what? I think knocking off a bank might be a little easier. I don't know with security these days, it might not be easier. But you know what? No. That's not an option. The devil doesn't get that place. That He's not going to do it. Going hungry, going a day without eating, that's not always easy. But it's a whole lot better than going and even stealing something small. Going into the gas station, stealing a candy bar, stealing a sandwich or something. Because that I have given place to the devil. If he got me to do it once, he can probably get me to do it again. And that's why boy, there's certain sins you don't ever want to do them one time because most sins, maybe even all sins, are easier to do the second time. That first time's the hardest, but after that it only gets easier. And if I couldn't control myself with something that I've never done before, I'm not going to be able to after I've done it. That's why people, when they say, I'm just going to do this one time, they're very foolish. You're not going to do it one time. You do it once. If you get away with it, you're going to want to do it again and again. And it's going to get you in trouble. Don't give place to the devil in that area. Verse 29 says many are... I'm in Proverbs now. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 29. says, Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We give place... We can give... Place of the devil by corrupt communications. And this isn't talking about just a dirty mouth. This isn't just talking about foul language. But this is talking about critical speech that hurts others. Notice it says our words should be edifying. That's encouraging to other people. It's lifting up. It's ministering grace to the hearer. That's what our words are supposed to do. But when we go and are putting people down and we're bashing people with our words... We've given the devil another place in our life. Another opportunity to use us. Words can really, really hurt people. Unlike the sticks and stones saying. I don't know who made that up, but they didn't know what they were talking about. Words hurt people. Yeah, we shouldn't let words hurt us, but unfortunately they do. 
They really do. And the Bible said, don't let that proceed out of your mouth. Don't give the devil the opportunity there. I mean, do you realize the power that we have to build and to destroy with our words? We've all got it. And you might, you might think your words don't matter to people, but I'm here today to tell you that they do. And boy, the devil would love to use your mouth as one of his tools. He would love to have it. And you know, I, I think about you, know, you all here and, and so many people in our church, just the words that I hear from them, I mean, just encourage me. Many that I got today, just after the service, those, they edified me. They encouraged me. It, you know what? It, it, makes me, it makes me want to keep studying hard. It's like, wow, you know, boy, they, they got blessed out of that. Man, good. Man, thank Lord. You know, I'm going to try that again. You know what I used to do when I was at Lighthouse? A lot of times, you know, I do it here sometimes too. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to confess something I like to do. Whenever we'd have fellowships there, I was, I was doing this when I was a teenager. I figured it out. If a lady made something that I really liked, I would make a big deal about it to her. I'd find out who made it, and I'd go make a big deal about it. You know why? Because, one, there's two reasons. One, I knew if I make a big deal about it, they'll probably make it next time for the next fellowship. Because, hey, when ladies make something, they want, they want people to eat it. Nobody wants to make something and nobody like it. And so I wanted them to think, yeah, people are going to eat this. And another reason, too, if they were leftovers, they would usually ask if I wanted it. And so, but those, those words I was using, basically when I'm complimenting their food, you know what I'm telling them? Hey, keep doing that. You know, keep that up. I'm encouraging them to keep going with that because, hey, I'm being blessed by it. And you know what? It, it, it encouraged them. It made them, it made them want to cook something. And when I, you know, when I hear those words of people, it just, man, good. I'm glad people were blessed. I'm going to keep studying. Uh, Lord, show me something else. Lord, these people are hungry. They're listening. Show me something. And those words, they help so much. But you know what? If after the service, if everybody's coming by, well, Brother Tommy, didn't you have any time to study this week? I was boring. You know, I mean, you know, I'm going to be really down. It's like, you know, I try so hard and it just doesn't seem to bless anybody. It doesn't seem to help anybody. And that's, that's going to be huge. I'm really going to be discouraged. I'm going to come and preach the next week probably with a different spirit because of corrupt communications. And you've all been there before. You've been the victim of somebody's corrupt communications. And I tell you, it hurts. It brings people down. And your tongue can be one of the most deadly tools of the devil do not let them have it. Do not give it. You just need to decide. There are certain... You, you need to just determine okay, that certain words are not going to exit my mouth. I am not going to say those words ever. I am not going to you know, talk negatively about people. I'm not, I'm not going to put them down. I'm not going to criticize other people's efforts. You've got to determine those things and you, literally, you have to put on the graceful communication. You have to put on the edifying words. It is a lot easier to criticize than it is to build up. But Satan, he uses that. And, you know, because, I mean, really, most people who are critical, most gossips are people who really are, don't think much of themselves. And that, that's a fact. because And the reason they feel the need to pull other people down is because they already feel low down and they don't want to feel alone. 
So it's like, instead of trying to improve themselves and build themselves up, it's easier to tear other people down. And that's why they do it. And that's wicked. You don't want to be the one doing that. But when we allow Satan place in our lives, what it does is it grieves the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and it can ultimately destroy what we accomplish as Christians. Um, Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you until the day that we stand before God in heaven. So don't grieve Him. He's going to be with us for the rest of our lives. Let's not upset Him. Let's Let's not grieve Him. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The, the ways that we can stop Satan from having, give, having a place in our life. Bible says, don't give Satan pla- don't give place to the devil. So how do we stop him? Because he's going to be trying. He's constantly going to be trying to gain access into our life. He, it'll never stop. We're always going to have to fight him. There's people out there that you know, they're like, boy, you know, I'm, I'm going to love it someday. You know, when I'm spiritual enough, I don't have to be fighting with the devil and struggling with sin anymore. I don't have known anybody that's got to that point. I've known some people that when you look at them, it seems like they've got to that point. But the truth is, if you ask them, they still struggle every day. So what are these things that we can do? Well, in verse 32, it basically tells us some of the things we can do to stop Satan from having place in our life. And that is, it says, be ye kind one to another. Well, what will kindness do? Kindness will stop you from lying. Okay, That's not kind to lie to people. So it'll stop the lying. And it's not kind to steal from people. Be ye kind one to another. If when you do that, you take care that the lying and stealing thing, it's not going to be a problem. I'm not going to lie to somebody that I care about. I'm not going to lie to somebody that I love or steal from them, take something from them that doesn't belong to me. That In kindness, that's the total opposite action. Kindness. Also, tenderheartedness. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Tenderheart, having a soft heart. That's going to take care of the anger and the corrupt communications. Most, most gossips. People with corrupt communication, they are angry, mean-spirited people. If we have a tender heart, then that's going to take care of that. You're not, you're not going to do that. I mean, there's people with that tender heart that just care about people. You just, you don't hear them saying anything negative about anybody. If they hear people saying something negative about somebody, they're always the one to chime in and say something good about them. And try and we'll try to stop that because they have a tender heart. It breaks their heart to hear people ran down and criticized. So tender hardness that'll stop. That'll take care of the anger, the corrupt communication, and then being kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Now forgiveness that's going to help you in every one of those areas because why do we lie to people? Usually we think they deserve it. Why do we get angry? We think they deserve it. Has anybody ever... I mean, have you ever been mad at somebody? I mean, you're mad. Your face is turning red. You're angry. You're wanting to hit somebody. And somebody comes up to you and says, you know, why are you mad at them? For no reason. 
You know, be, just because I've got a temper problem, you know, you don't say that. At that moment, you feel totally justified in what in what you're doing. You feel and you're not planning on forgiving them. You're not. If I said, so "Why did you punch them in the nose?" Because I have a forgiveness problem. I don't. You, you know, you're not even thinking about that. But when you're forgiving, it's hard to be angry at somebody and and forgive at the same time. You can't really do it. You know, stealing. Many people who steal, they usually steal from those who they think maybe deserve it. All of those people are plenty rich. It's okay to steal from them. It's not going to hurt them. Well, it's okay to steal from this company. They have insurance. So, let me take you. Once again, you think for some reason people deserve it. And you know what? What if they do? Well, we'll give you that. What if they do? Well, we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to forgive one another. And that corrupt communication, why do we gossip people? Why do we run them down? We feel like they deserve it. Maybe they did something to you. Maybe they said something nasty about you. If you forgive them, it takes care of that. But we've got to put these things on. We've got to make a conscious effort to do that. And I'm here today to tell you that the devil is constantly going to be looking for an opportunity. He watches us. He watches you in your life. And he waits for us to let our guard down. And as soon as we do, that's where, that's where he's going to go. He's going to look for the easiest pathway into your life. And he looks in these areas. And he sees when that opportunity comes for you to tell a lie, maybe to benefit yourself in some way. He's watching and he sees that, oh, lie. They use that. I mean, and not only does he use it to get you in trouble and to hurt you, once you're, so the family they see that and they end up acting the same thing the anger it's amazing how these things spread in the family and the way they are invited in the home when you do them as a father you're saying this is okay kids go ahead and do this go ahead and make this a part of your life and it can just turn the home into a nightmare and the last, that's the last one nobody would say I'm inviting the devil in my home. But you know what? You literally are inviting the devil in your home when you do these things. When you start lying, getting angry, you might as well invite him in. You might as well go stand outside the door and say, come on in, devil. You're invited. Because when you invite him, he's not going to reject that invitation. He's going to take advantage of that opportunity. So let's all stand together tonight.